all the hype surrounding this game, in particular for Iowa State, what does it say for you that's like, yeah, we're still here. Iowa's still here. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Welcome in Iowa Hawkeye fans to another episode of the Hawkeye Tailgate Report. I am Luke Myers. Joey and Austin are here as well. And starting the year 2-0 after absolutely dismantling Iowa State this past weekend. The Cyhawk Trophy staying home. I think the final score was 27-17. Fellas, how you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real fucking good. Well, I was at a bar on Saturday with about half Iowa fans and half Iowa State fans, and by the end, it was all Iowa fans, so that, that pretty much should tell you how I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, I tell you what, I think the bar owners were uh, big-time Iowa fans as well, because we got some back and black blast in before the game, then the Iowa fight song was going every time we got a touchdown, and uh, it was a, uh, goddamn, it was just so fucking awesome, I'll say it. I think they were, I think they were fair to both teams, they kept on playing that stupid Cyclone song all the yeah. time, too, and I'm... Oh, yeah, they did put that song fucking stinks. Okay, first of all, but uh, what a horrid, horrid song to have associated to your school. Cyclones don't even happen in Iowa, idiots. Yeah, but uh, no, it was a good time at the bar this weekend. I everybody was roasting Iowa State, it felt like the whole day. ESPN from the start, once they got Ashton Kutcher, throughout the whole broadcast, throughout the game, when they put up the poll question was. What are the two schools since this date to not have a first-round draft pick? And Iowa State was one of them. It was like a roast of Iowa State for several yeah. hours. <laughs> from, from the beginning of game day until the end of the game was just – they were cooking them. Like yeah. unintentional. I don't even think it was like – nobody's like, hey, let's roast Iowa State. But <laughs> just like facts and stats are, uh, are, are a roast in themselves. They showed the replay of the, the botched punt from two years ago. When he made his pick, Lee Corso brought out the goddamn statue. And he's like, I brought this out here because Iowa State fans haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> like, just and then, everybody. They just roasted the shit out of him. It was awesome. And then Ashton Kutcher, noted Iowa fan, well noted, uh, he comes up to game day and he's driving that big black and gold combine that you see in Iowa City on game days, <laughs> which is badass. I didn't know he could drive a uh, combine. But that well, was just... I, I mean, it's probably not all that difficult to drive a combine in a straight line. I know, I but it was... Oh, that just was a phenomenal feeling. And he... he For a second there, when he was going on during his pick on game day, I thought he was going to go with Iowa State for a second. But he flipped it around real quick and then Corso followed suit. See, there that, was... There was never a chance Ashton Kutcher was going to pick Iowa State in that game. I don't care, even if he actually did think Iowa State was going to win that, you can't be that publicly an Iowa fan and go on to the biggest college football pregame show in the country and pick against the team that you're a, like a huge public fan of. There was never a chance that he was picking anybody but Iowa there. Yeah, and it was... All of it was just a beautiful display. And then you had the stupid signs where Iowa State fans were cocking off. That The one that just said Iowa is bad at football. That's another way that ESPN roasted them. The official game day account like tweeted the picture of that. And then they like had the asterisks and goes, checks Iowa, Iowa State record. And then had a bunch of the, like, I don't know how to describe the emoji, but the one where it's just like a bunch of barred teeth. Like they just they just roasted Iowa State, rightfully so, because they are a trash program. Yeah, from start to finish. And then I don't really get I don't I don't really get worked up about any of the signs because for the most part I think they're all pretty yeah, funny I mean, and creative. But a completely unnecessary ricochet shot got thrown at Luca Garza in there. <laughs> just the one that said Luca Garza is ugly, which I don't believe to be true. Honestly, Luca Garza is a pretty decent looking dude. There are a lot of other former Iowa basketball players <clears throat> that you could have picked and out of them like you know what that's a fair assessment. Mike Gazelle. Jared Utah. Adam Woodbury. Joe Wieskamp, I would even argue. Like, yeah. There was a lot of opportunities there, and he went with somebody that is, you know, all things considered, not that bad looking. 
Yeah, but we should probably get to the game. Uh, it was it was close for what was it two two and a half quarters, and then it really no. no it was at the by the end of the second quarter we basically had that game in hand. Like yeah, Iowa State had the long touchdown or not even the long touchdown, the long pass that resulted in the touchdown before half. But even before that, we were absolutely asserting our dominance in every phase of the game on them. Like, was, I guess, not in every was, phase. Our offense wasn't that great. But, like, special teams and defense, Iowa State was not doing anything to us. It was technically close in score, but it didn't feel close. No. Honestly, from the time we scored that first touchdown, I was pretty relaxed the whole time. I did. That just didn't feel like a game that we were going to lose. No, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I agree. Uh... I was nervous still, like, the whole time, but, like, I was very comfortable with it because, like, I know what the defense is capable of, and clearly Demet and Tory Taylor just, it's going to be tough to beat us if they can play like that every single game this year. That's the difference between Iowa and Iowa State. And Iowa State, I've seen a lot of delusional, like, especially like two days post-game like fans that are like, Iowa State is still the better team. They just didn't do this better and this better and this better, and that's why Iowa won. Well, yeah, if you're the better team, you execute better on defense. You're opportunistic with turnovers. Your special teams is better. Like I, Those are the small <clears throat> things that the better team does to win, and Iowa State fans are writing it off as luck. We've done it to them six years in a row now, like, we, and we win pretty much the same way every time. Really good defense. Our special teams is better. Cash in when you have opportunities in offense. Well, and I saw a tweet saying that Iowa State's like better all this stuff. I was just more disciplined. Well, that's a pretty big part because if we weren't disciplined, Spencer Peters would have been out there slinging interceptions. He hasn't. We aren't turning the ball over right. except that, for fumbles. But that's five consecutive. <clears throat> Full games that Iowa's played against Iowa State without turning over the ball. Like, Iowa State fans can sit there and be delusional to themselves and think, we're the better team. And maybe they have more talent at some positions. I'll give that to them. Being more talented at certain spots does not make you better. Like, fundamentally, Iowa is a better team. We didn't turn the ball over. Our defense was rock solid. And our special teams, you can shit, like... Other fan bases that are not Iowa, or really just not Big Ten fan bases in general, like to shit on the way that Iowa or Big Ten teams win games because punting isn't sexy. Playing good special teams isn't sexy. Uh, like, what was it, late in the uh, second quarter, or maybe it was the third quarter, when we went three and out and punted from our six-yard line and turned it into a 69-yard punt. Nice. <laughs> they lost, like... 16 yards in their possession and then had a bad punt and Charlie Jones had a good, good return. return. That's Those are the plays that define the game. Like, Iowa is more disciplined there and therefore they were a better team and the better team won. And the most alarming thing if I'm an Iowa State fan after that game is, like, they just quit. Campbell quit. He pulled he Brock did. Purdy. He pulled pulled Brees Hall. Like, and they were only down seventeen, which it's a lot of points, but you're still a touchdown <coughs> onside kick away from being at a three, like a ten point game could be a three point game with a couple good plays. And what's the point of pulling those guys in that situation? The, playing those, the third and fourth quarter there is only going to benefit those guys down the unless they get hurt, which God forbid that can happen anytime. It was. But, it, the, the game was still within reach. That would have been a good opportunity for them to run some stuff that they may need in Big 12 play. Yeah, like, the way that Iowa's defense was playing, it would have been very improbable for Iowa State to mount a realistic comeback. But it certainly was not out of reach to the point that you pull your starters with as much time that was remaining in the game. Like, straight up, they they quit. And that cracks me up. It's... Like, Iowa, apparently, his defense is just very good at getting, like, teams' best-ever starting quarterback benched and throwing three interceptions. Like, we've done that two weeks in a row. And after last week, or maybe, no, it wasn't after last week, but it was during our season preview when we were talking with uh, David and Sean. And I was saying how, you know, we'd had so many turnovers within the last few years, and there's a decent bit of luck associated with turnovers. And I said, you know, I don't think that our numbers will continue to be as big as they are this year just because, you know, at some point there has to be some decline. 
Boy, the, turn- the turnovers that Iowa has generated thus far this year have not been because of luck. It's been because of, like, disciplined defense, like rushing the other team's quarterback, like putting themselves in positions to win as opposed to, like, a tipped ball going our way or a fumble bouncing into our guys' arms. Like, we have just been in the spots that we needed to be, and it's resulted in turnovers. And if they keep playing the way that they are, we're going to continue to generate two or three turnovers a game. Yeah, and, like, you – you can say, oh, Riley Moss won't have two interceptions again next week, or Hankins won't have two interceptions next week. But we have six guys that leg- legitimately could pick you off at any moment in time. And our f- We were just joking about that. I said uh, my pick for next week's uh, two interceptions are going to go to Jack Coroner because he's had his hands on a couple balls and hasn't reeled one in. So, uh, it, I mean, if we're just going to keep the one of our you know back five is going to have two interceptions, that's that's my pick for this coming week. You know, I, I don't think we'll intercept it as much this week. It looks like Kent State runs a lot, so but we'll, we'll be stout. I, and the front four is something I want to touch on again because they've been phenomenal. And throwing the linebackers in there, Jacobs, Campbell, it's just been – it's come together so nice. Like you couldn't have drawn it or imagined it before the season coming together this quick, this beautifully. Like it's perfect. Yeah, I mean – at least on the defensive side of the ball, and we can yes. touch on offense yeah. later. But right now, I mean, give credit where credit's due. The defense, I mean, I, I, I think I, I said it, and most people would have agreed at the beginning of the season, defensive line was the biggest, you know, question mark going into the year, and they've exceeded expectations thus far. I mean, the sack numbers have not been huge. I think the final, like, official stats set line for – uh, the Iowa State game was only two, but they were constantly harassing Purdy, getting pressure with only their front four, forcing him into bad situations, or getting tackles for loss, like breaking plays. You don't have to get a lot of sacks as a defensive front to still disrupt the gameplay a lot, and they did that in the passing game, and Brees Hall wasn't able to do anything in the running game. Like They had two and preseason All-Americans you know, take it's a nice accolade, but it doesn't really mean anything until you back it up in the season. Brees Hall and what? How do you even pronounce his name? Charlie Colert or something like yeah. that. Uh, like we basically made both of those guys non-factors in that game, and that's just a credit to the defense for coming out with a great game plan and executing it to perfection. And what I really, really love about the defense is, yeah, the secondary has been remarkable both games. But there is people all over the place on that defense that are making big plays. Like Wagner had like how like two or three big bat downs that mm-hmm. were huge in the time. It was early in the game, and there's just people on in every level of that defense that are playing out of their ass. Justin Jacobs had a <clears throat> I'm here party. I mean, he had yeah. he had the one big pass breakup on the third down play earlier in the game, and then obviously his biggest play was that strip of uh, um, Hall that turned into the scoop and score. But even just, like, if you look at the way that Iowa is swarming on defense, like, when he forced that fumble, Campbell was the guy that picked it up. There were four Iowa guys around and not a single Iowa State player in the picture. Like, when we're tackling, there's three or four guys on the ball every time. Like, they're playing such fundamentally sound and good football right now on the defensive side that we will be in every single game that we play this year because – our defense refuses to just like get a huge number put up on them. Jacobs is a pro. There's no doubt about that in my mind. He is going to be in the NFL. He is a stud. Absolute yeah. stud. Yeah, uh but everybody the defense as a whole, I mean, we t- talked about it last week how they're going to keep us in every game, if not win us a couple of games. But yeah, and National media and whatnot, like I've listened to a lot of shows, they they say, oh, but the offense, I have a tough time buying into the team because of the offense. I mean, the, the offense did exactly what they had to do. It wasn't a game where they were going to come in and throw for 300 yards, you know? Yeah. So here are my thoughts on the state of the offense as it currently sits. I think there's a lot of kind of things that we need to take into account on them having not put up big numbers. First thing is, we've played two very good defenses to start the season. 
So your expectations should be tampered a little, should have been tampered in terms of what the offensive production was going to be in those two games, kind of anyway, especially because Iowa State always plays us well defensively. Number two is that for the majority of both of those games, especially in the second half, we've had controlling leads where we didn't have to try to do anything on offense. It was run the ball, don't turn it over, get the clock moving. And so I think that's kind of a big part in it also. And then three, like you said, in the second quarter when, you know, first quarter, I'll say, our offense did look abysmal. Second quarter, we needed to come out and have some drives and put some points on the board. We did that when we needed to. And so, I mean, I think that we have the ability to move the ball when necessary. It'll be interesting to see them put it together for a full game, but we just haven't had to so much at this point. And we're not turning the ball over. That's, I mean, I guess we had two fumbles week one, but, like, not turning the ball over isn't a sexy stat, but it's important. So there's a lot of kind of things going into Iowa's offense not putting up big numbers right now. I'm, it's in the back of my mind as a concern, but I'm not super worried about it. And I think it helps that our next two games are against inferior opponents. So, like, college football, you don't have a preseason. You need a little bit of time to kind of work out the kinks in your offense. We started with games, two games against ranked opponents. You don't, you know... If you're not playing good but you're winning, you kind of just stick to your game plan and don't try and do too much. I think in these next two weeks, we'll really kind of show what we are, we'll show what we're capable of on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and like I was, we said last week that Petrus literally just had to not lose this game for Iowa. He had to do enough to keep him in it and not like make a ton of mistakes, and he did. He did exactly that. They came out. I was upset with the play calling, especially in the first quarter. Because they were just like running it right in the right in the back of the offensive lineman every time, and it wasn't going anywhere. But then in the second quarter, they kind of opened it up, and Petrus just didn't make mistakes. He he took two or three bad sacks later in the mm-hmm. game, or oh, second quarter, third quarter. But <clears throat> and I think he got incre- incrementally better from the first the first week. So having these next two games against Kent State and Colorado State, hopefully he is able to open it up more and show what he's made of because he maybe they will be able to take more risks on offense. Um, but, man, I was I was pretty happy with how he played. Yeah, Petrus looked like garbage in the first quarter, and I was hearing it from some cousins and all that stuff. But he settled down nicely, and he played exactly how he had to the rest of the way. I mean, that was – I think he did, yeah, exa- I mean, he, he did exactly what he had to do, what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I mean – the offense in general was just really bad in the first quarter. But after that, he settled down. The second quarter, he went like 6-for-6 six six or 7-for-7, seven seven, something like that. Hit the like hit the passes that he needed to, threw the ball away when he should. He needs to avoid taking those sacks. Cause like, one of them, we were in field goal range. He took like a 12-yard sack, completely took us out. Uh, another one of them turned into like a 51-yard field goal opportunity, and then there was the high snap, and the kicking timing was off, and we missed that. And the third one, we still ended up making like the 50-yard field goal. So those are things that he needs to take out of his game. Like, no one it's better just throw it away as opposed to taking the sack. Um, I think that it'll be more important for our next two games to get our receivers more involved, specifically Tyrone yeah. Tracy. I think that he needs to start getting the ball. I think Laporta and not a knock to him, not a knock to the offense, really. Like, he seems to be Petrus's safety blanket. It's a good one to have. He's really fucking good. But we need to get the receivers more involved in the passing game because, they're like, they're dynamic. Everything that we've heard about them says they are playmakers. They can break plays open. Um, so it'll be important, I think, to get them involved in the next two weeks as well, just to, you know... Not to give them confidence, because I'm sure that's not something that they're lacking, but just to be like, hey, we didn't forget about you. Like, you are a big part of our game plan as well. Yeah, but... Laporta... Go ahead. I was just going to say, credit to you guys for the... Because there's the fans that constantly rail on Petrus went, but don't say anything when he does something good. You guys said something good when he threw the touchdown to Charlie Jones the other day, because that was the best pass of his career. Hey, yeah. I have no agenda when it comes to this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, call I call it, how it as I see it. it. Yeah. yeah, I'll be very fair when I'm... Like, um, this is not nothing to do with Petrus, but Laporta had a horrible drop. Yeah. Hit him right in the hands. That was on a big, it would have been a big third down conversion, yeah, too. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There are sections of the fan base every year, every new quarterback, 
that it, it was the same way with Nate Stanley. It was the same way. Well, Jake Rudock isn't a great example because I just kind of hated him and he did suck. But like, <clears throat> it, it, there are fan there there are sections of the fan base that no matter what the quarterback does, they are going to hate them and they can't get that out of their mind. When the quarterback's sucking or when anybody on the offense is sucking, I'll call them out. I'll say you need to be better. When they're doing good, I'll give you props. I just I I'm a straight shooter with that. I don't have an agenda like Joey said. I, I call it how I see it, and I mean I don't know why I don't get why people. What benefit do you get out of just like hating Petrus all the time and like refusing to accept some of the positive that he has? Like he's young still. It's only his second year as a starter. Whole last season is kind of a weird COVID wash thing. Like he's going to learn. He's going to get better. Why should fans be rooting against that? Kind of on that same wavelength there. Last night we were talking with some people, and they were saying that if Iowa played Alabama, they would get killed. There's no chance they'd win. I was no. thinking, like, what is – like, maybe. Maybe they don't have a shot against a team like that, but what is the point of being a fan? And Like, why are you cheering for any of this if you don't think there's any chance that they can win a national championship? Like, right? What? Like, it, I get that it's not – a very realistic goal year in and year out for Iowa. But, like, at the end of the day, going into the season, every football team has one goal in mind, and that's to win a national championship. And that's, at the end of the day, what every fan base would want the most. Like, yes, obviously winning the Big Ten West is kind of step one. Then winning a Big Ten championship game is two, and then getting into the playoff, whatever. But if, if you're sitting here thinking at the start of the year that you don't want to play Alabama in the national championship game because you're going to get steamrolled... What's the point? What's the point? Like, get there, enjoy the ride. Like, don't sit there and be like, I don't want to play them, I know what's going to happen. Football's a weird sport. Anything can happen in one game. Yeah, Stin, what do you think I said? Because Joey asked us, uh, or I gave him a percent. I said, what if we got to the college football playoff, what percent do you think I would give us to win? What, what do you think I gave him? What percent do I think you'd give him? Higher than I would. I'd say you'd probably say, like, 20. I said 10%. Okay. And then I said... Yeah, that, then, yeah I, usually that's more in line with what I was thinking. <clears throat> I was thinking, some like, no higher than 10, probably somewhere in the single digits, just because, I mean, let's be honest, Alabama's Alabama. They're, they're goddamn good. But... I, yeah, usually you're much more optimistic on something like that than me, so... And then I, uh, I said, as we sit right now, like, not knowing what the future's ahead, what percent do you think I gave that we would win? Win, would... like, the national championship? Like yeah. the Big Ten? Yeah. As things currently sit, I... I don't know. I think you're a fool if you say anything over 5%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said 1%. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's reasonable. All right, all right. I also think Alabama-Iowa would be within 14 points, so. It's tough to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'd be. When's it, the last time they played? <laughs> never? Yeah. <laughs> hey, but the last time Iowa played Nick Saban, we all know how that ended. Let me check, actually, Winsipedia, see if Iowa-Alabama have ever played. But all, anyway, back to the game. I don't know what Goodson's numbers ended up being, but I think he had 55 total rushing yards with a touchdown. I I I like to see him get more going. They the place they call they keep him running in between the tackles. He needs to get in space. That's where you can make it happen. <clears throat> I think that Kelly Martin needs to be your between the tackles guy because he for whatever reason blasts through those holes, much like Sargent did last year. Like. I think Tyler Ta- 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 Goodson's good in space. Get him, get him stretch, run him, toss or something. Stretch through the, not the short side. <laughs> I think Tyler Goodson is almost like Le'Veon Bell-esque, where like he'll kind of like take his time in the backfield to let something develop. And Ivory Kelly Martin is more of a what? Here's a hole. Let's kind of fucking let's just run into it. <clears throat> yeah, but I don't know if it's the offensive line or if it's something Goodson's doing, but it's not working right now. I think that there's. I don't know. I mean, outside of Linderbaum, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of youth on this offensive line. I think when Kyler Schott comes back, that'll help a lot because, uh, like, he was graded as, like, the ninth best returning run blocker in college football. And uh, um, obviously, Linderbaum was number one. So, like, if you put those two together, you're going to get a significantly better push in what they're doing right now. So, the offensive line has room to improve. The offense in general has room to improve. But I. And I think, you know, I was saying how I'd like to see the receivers get more involved these next couple weeks. 
that stems off of us being able to run the ball more effectively. Because if you can run the ball, they need to, you know, they have to <clears throat> devote more guys up front to stopping that. Then you can incorporate the deep pass. You get more one-on-one opportunities on the outside. So, really, uh, Iowa's whole offense will roll as the running game does. And right now, they're only averaging, like, three yards per carry or maybe just a little bit under that. That number needs to get up to like at least four and a half by the end of the season for our offense to be like, for our offense to be considered like a threat. All right. I have a hypothetical I was thinking about, Stin, and it's very going to be controversial, I think. Oh, boy. We all know Hayden Fry's Iowa staff was one of the best coaching staffs ever assembled. It's just the greatest. Would you, it doesn't have to be the best. It was the best. Would you ever listen to the argument that this staff this year is not them, but the closest thing we've had to them? It's got to be. I, that wasn't really even a hypothetical. <laughs> it was just a question. <laughs> well, I mean, like I would I argue. Mean, I would, I'd say that you could I don't know. I think that Hayden Fry took his Iowa teams to higher highs than Kirk Ferentz has, but his lows, I think, were worse than what Kirk ever did. Um, So I think, I don't know, they're kind of a wash in terms of, like, even at the head coach position. Phil Parker is a goddamn genius. He is the most underrated assistant coach in college football by far, year in and year out. He's got Iowa who we all know did not recruit the best talent in the world like the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States do. It doesn't make a difference. Every goddamn year, he puts together at least a top 25 national defense, and it's much more likely that he's like in the top 15 to 10 range. So he's better than anybody that Hayden Fry had on his staff in terms of defensive coordinator, and I don't know. I think that we have a very talented staff the way it sits, but when you look at all of like all of the guys that were on Hayden's staff, I mean, you had Barry Alvarez, Bob Stoops, Bill Snyder, Kirk Ferens. Their head coaching like ex- success is going to be better than anything that this Iowa staff puts together, mostly because like a lot of the assistants on this Iowa team have just been with that staff for such a long time. They're kind of Kirk's guys. They don't leave for head coaching jobs. Like Phil Parker had the opportunity to take the South Carolina job a couple of years back and he didn't take it. So I think the legacy of that uh, Hayden Fry coaching staff will be better than what this Kirk staff is. But I think that in terms of like, the production that they get out of the guys that they have has got to be pretty close. I'm just looking at like guys like Kelvin Bell or uh, Seth Wallace, like LeVar Woods. I, I think all of those guys will move up the food chain eventually to like head coaching positions, and I think they could absolutely succeed in those roles. Yeah, I just it's almost impossible for them to succeed in the same way that so many members of Hayden Fry's coaching staff did. All right. Just something I wanted to bring up. Interesting to think about. But do we have any final notes from this game? Uh, Tory Taylor is just a god at kicking the football. So much so to the point where I've seen an Iowa State fan that I know tweeted, he goes, I think Iowa has the greatest punter of all time. Like, it... He's so good at everything that he does. Like, you need the long booming kick, he he does that. You need him to drop a ball inside the five and backspin it. Like, he almost never, like, drops a ball in deep and then has it go into the end zone. He always gets it to spin <coughs> back. And I, there's obviously some type of skill involved in that. Like, he's the – like, in any close game that Iowa plays this year – he is an absolute weapon for us. Like it, he will be the difference maker in games for us throughout the rest of the season. And I'm glad that he kicks for us. It'll be big games too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. A, a possible top ten matchup with Penn State looming and Wisconsin still on the schedule. So, uh, all right, uh, we want to preview the game now. 
the Kent State game, I mean, I'm not sure how many talking points we can have on this. I mean, they played Texas A&M week one and lost by 31, and then they played Virginia Military uh, Institute or whatever, VMI, this past weekend and won 60-3 to or 60-10 to or something like that. So, I mean, it's tough to say exactly what they're about. They've been running the ball a lot, and they give up a lot of rushing yards. It's basically what I got. Yeah, I mean, I if this game is even remotely close, we'll have problems. I am not like that. We should we should beat the socks off these guys, and that's it's not a knock to their program. We're just like we're a far superior team. This this should not be close. We should be able to have our second stringers in by the fourth quarter, and I hope <clears throat> that's how the game goes. Like, let's put up some points, figure out what we need to figure out on offense, try to avoid some injuries, and get out of there with a win because the. The only thing, only bad things can happen from this game, essentially. So, I mean, let's just don't overlook them, obviously. And I don't think Iowa has a tendency to do that as a program, anyway. Because, like, you saw how um, Texas A&M barely beat uh, Colorado; they fell in the rankings. Notre Dame needed a game-winning drive to beat Toledo. Like, is we just can't have a lapse like that, and we should be fine. Iowa's twenty-two and a half point favorites. That's a that's a lot of points to cover. Uh, you want to hear a funny uh, stat though? Um, so Oklahoma is bigger favorites over Nebraska this coming week than Iowa is against Kent State. That's how little Vegas thinks of Nebraska as a program. Well, that, they should. I, <laughs> like, I, I, it just that's absurd to me that. They're giving Oklahoma more points against a Power 5 school than Iowa, ranked number 5 in the nation, against, against Kent, gets against Kent State. That's wild to me. I'll, I'll probably take that, too. I I mean, oh. Nebraska doesn't have much fight. Once the ass-kicking starts, it ain't going to end. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a tough day for them and Norman. All right. I'll be very happy. <laughs> so, uh, you know... We have the HTRA lay every week, and we lost it this week by half a point because uh, Ohio State couldn't muster it up one more goddamn point against Oregon. So missed out on that opportunity. But we've been doing all of our fair share of betting this year through BUSR.com. Uh, at Student Union Sports, we're big fans of them. BUSR is our go-to location for all sports betting and online gaming. Bet on your favorite sports events today, including NFL, NBA, college football, MLB, and much more. If you are into betting the ponies, BUSR also offers the best promos, bonuses, and odds of any racebook online. If you pride yourself as a savvy sports better, it's easy to see that BUSR offers the best value for your buck. Head over to BUSR.com slash studentunion today. Uh, the link for that is in Student Union's uh, Twitter bio, so go check them out. It's also pushed on their website. Also, proud sponsor of the uh, pregame pep talks that I put out on Saturday mornings. And also, we're going to be frying up some uh, Wes Henderson Rolling Hills pork this weekend at the tailgate. It's supposed to be 90. What are you bringing? Uh, what should I bring? I think I have some brats out now. Brats. 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 I, brats are like the far like the the most superior grilling food that exists and you can't change my mind uh, and wes henderson's <coughs> brats are the best brats in existence i don't know what he all sent us this last time but i'll check if there's some bacon because i was thinking about stuffing some jalapenos too and wrapping bacon around them and then grilling them but we'll see what what's all in the mystery box here yeah but rolling hills pork farley iowa west henderson the best pigs you'll ever find Outside of the Iowa State cheerleaders, some of the best selections you got out there. So, <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Um, so we're gonna actually do. We, we gonna do the draft right now. Yeah, I don't know what else is left. I mean, there wasn't yeah. much to talk about for Kent State, but yeah, I just I, I don't know anything about them, and that maybe that's ignorance on my part, and maybe that's just me not being prepared. But I don't I, I don't I don't do film <laughs> or anything like that. So I think yeah, I, don't know. I, just, I think I saw ESPN's FPI had Iowa as a ninety three percent chance. So feels yeah. well. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just we should we should <clears throat> beat them. That's kind of all all there is to it. Like this should be a very Non, there should be nothing notable that takes place in this game unless our defense scores like four touchdowns or something. Like, 
it, it should be an unremarkable game in the fact that we just kick the shit out of them like everybody's expecting to happen. All right. So, we're going to have a draft this week of our, what was it, the hang hangover your favorite hangover foods and restaurants and or restaurants was that correct yeah yes <clears throat> all right and the order this week is me austin and then joey there's a lot of good options out there but there's only one option that's clear cut number one for me and that's poncheros getting a fat burrito i mean it's a good one honestly not even on my list really yeah. Wow, that's. I was pretty sure that was going to be everybody's. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't going to choose it, but it is a good choice. I mean, you can't go wrong with the punch burrito. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this one is. A, it's very. Everybody has kind of their own what they want when they're hungover. Burrito is just not something that's my go-to. I'll be very honest. A lot of times too, when I'm hungover, I just try to avoid eating because a lot. Sometimes I eat and I just feel worse for the whole rest of the day. So. I got a free burrito coming though from my points with Ponchero, so that's always a good that's day. Very big for me. So, all right, yeah. Stin. All right, uh, my number one go-to when I'm hungover food is some just like kind of cheap Chinese food. Specifically, my my order my go-to order is from Uncle Sun here in Iowa City. They don't have a delivery fee, and it's usually at my door within 25 minutes of ordering. I get some beef lo mein and either sesame or general's chicken and that hits the goddamn spot chinese food was my number one as well um i wasn't i'm not loyal to one chinese place i try i do i do a bunch of different places it'll be um you know panda hy chinese uh yeah, Long I mean, Zing. yeah I'll, I'll mix it up but i found that uncle sun tends to be like my fallback szechuan house <sighs> Always good. Last time it took forever delivery, though. It took like an hour and a half. Szechuan House has the greatest crab rangoons <clears throat> in the world. Okay, so Stin took my one. But here's... Not only hungover, but I do get it hungover a lot. <laughs> wings. They're my favorite food in general, but wings on a, on a hangover day are great. I usually... Let's see. There's a lot of good spots for wings, and honestly, here we go again. I'm not really loyal to any of them, but um, lately I've been I'm getting been getting Wingstop a few times. But the Wingstop here is not that great. It usually takes forever. But if, if you can get wings from somewhere, uh, that's a good one. Well, it's like well, I guess not anymore. It used to be a 20 minute drive from your house. Wingstop did, but that wasn't open when you lived there. Still, was it? No, no. I mean, it didn't even open until most like, of the time when I'm hungover and I'm getting food, I'm getting it delivered. Oh, back to me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You have to back to back. So then my next one is going to be real easy, real freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Uh, we always lived relatively close to a Jimmy John's. There's just a bunch of them in Iowa City. So it was always easy, convenient. Their chips their, their oh, chips the might be chips. the best part of the whole experience, honestly. Some jalapeno Jimmy um, chips. But, yeah, I specifically remember Jimmy John's. So uh, before we played Mississippi State on New Year's Day – I was up until 7 that morning because it was New Year's Eve the night before. And I went to sleep for two hours, woke up, ordered Jimmy John's, ate it, watched the first quarter, and fell asleep for the whole rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy John's I, sucks. I yeah, it's just not a good take, and that's all right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. You, you can have that, that yeah. take. It's not good, but. I'll, I'll say this about Jimmy John's. I'm very hot or cold on it. I will go six months without eating it, and then I'll have it three times in a two-week span. I think I've had it like twice in my life. So you're not even giving it a chance. The two times, second time was the chance. Mm. It's delicious. It's pretty good. I'm a Subway guy. Delicious. All right. Okay. Subway two. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number two pick. I really thought Joey was gonna take this one. I'm gonna go Pizza Ranch. Pizza Ranch. Oh, is great good pick. Spe- specifically. You have to have, like, a group of people for this because it makes the experience better. You have to have, like, at least four people, all of you on kind of, like, the same level of hungover. Because you can't be, like, I'm going to die hungover, but you can't be, like, feeling really good either. You wake up. Usually I do this after a party bus, it seems to be. You get a group of people. You go to Pizza Ranch. You just, like, the all-you-can-eat is a great experience. It's 
like some fried chicken and some pizza, some good like greasy food to soak up all those demons that are still floating around in your stomach. Honestly, it's probably best to just go there still drunk a little bit because yeah. if you're too sober, you realize, man, this food's actually not that good. Oh, yes. Pizza Ranch, I- I've said this for a long time. <laughs> the idea of Pizza Ranch is better than what Pizza Ranch actually is. So I only get it in situations like that, where it's kind of where it's a group. You're all like maybe a little bit drunk, still or hungover the next day, and then like the one in Iowa City's got a big arcade in it. You can kind of like go and screw around in there for like 15 minutes. It's a that's a really good hungover experience. Uh, there the only other acceptable time to eat at Pizza Ranch when you're sober is uh, Fat Tuesday, for all yeah. my religious folk out there. Yeah. That, you mm-hmm. have to you have to hit a, a buffet on that day, some type yeah, of buffet. And then an absolute move at Pizza Ranch is getting a, a cup of ice cream on the way out the door. No, no, no. You put the ice cream on top of the cactus bread. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a move, too. Oh, All right, this... Luke, two picks here. <sighs> two picks. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Casey's Breakfast Pizza. Solid. Yeah, yeah. you can't and, go wrong with that. And if you walk in and they're out of pizza, ordering up a Lee Bryce special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. You know. Check it out. While it's, uh, it's, is it still a thing? No. And the one the Casey's and Solon still advertises it. Also, maybe an alternate, if they don't have the breakfast pizza, would be the new like breakfast casseroles they have. Breakfast They're casserole. so delicious. They've stepped so up their burrito game of late too. Also, aren't I? I saw somewhere that they're coming out with a new type of breakfast apparatus. I don't know what the it calzone, is. Calzone, wasn't it? Yeah, calzone. Something Ooh. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, one of my favorite foods to get from Casey's is the cheesy tater tot bites. Those things hit. Mm. Yeah, but uh, my last pick. This one might pander to Joey a little bit because he says he doesn't always eat after drinking. So I'm going to go with coffee. Does that count? Yeah. I mean, I would say that's fair because like, if I'm hungover, I'll go to like Dunkin' and get like a big iced coffee or something. Yeah. But my thing is with drinking coffee while hungover. Makes a shit. Well, you're going to do that anyway. But it's going to be a lot but, worse. Like, I don't know. I feel like the caffeine hits me way more when I'm hungover, too, probably because I'm on an empty stomach and I'm still dr- a little maybe drunk. But there's a lot of factors in play there that could – That's me personally, the coffee sometimes just makes me feel worse. But I can see it. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not much of it. Yeah, I'm just not much of a coffee drinker in general, but I can definitely see how that could uh, get on the list. This one uh, – comes to us courtesy of Paul Myers, an absolute legend of the game, a chocolate shake from McDonald's <laughs> as a hangover cure. Oh, I didn't know we were going hangover cures. Well, I mean, I, th- I feel like you... You don't want to keep the hangover. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a cure, but that's like that can be a go-to when you're hungover type of thing. If you're trying to get right, it's like still it's a food or a drink thing that you're getting while you're hungover. The famous... Uh... World famous Bryce McAndrew once said that to beat any hangover, you just have to drink a, Arnold, a spiked Arnold Palmer. Fancy I think that's words? just me- that means just getting drunk again. I don't know if that's what he <laughs> means. But... And then Joey, last pick. Oh. <clears throat> um. Well, Stin Stin used an item from here, but I'm just gonna go McDonald's uh, breakfast or lunch, really. Mm-hmm. But that's also kind of a nostalgia pick for me because there's been a few times where either pre, like on game day, if it was like a late game, we'd go to McDonald's and get breakfast. Yeah. Or like after game days, for instance, if after the first weekend we went there and ate, ate breakfast and reminisced about the previous day. Yeah. So that's that's uh, my last pick. An absolute move at McDonald's when you're hungover. Once again, you got to do this. You can only do this with a group of people, you know, but you go there. And you order between 80 and 100 McNuggets and, like, three to four large orders of fries. And you just dump it all into a huge food mountain on a tray in the middle of the table. And then you just feast. My my go-to when I go there for breakfast usually is to get the home-style breakfast. comes with three hotcakes, uh, a biscuit, um, a sausage patty, or bacon. I think you can get bacon. And eggs. So you can make a sandwich with those ingredients 
and then oh, and it comes with a hash brown, and then you get the pancakes as well. So you're basically getting the best of both worlds. Their iced coffee is terrible. Don't get that. <laughs> one uh, one nod. Uh, the only honorable mention I had was uh, basically any cheap pizza, like Domino's, Little Caesars, five dollar hot and ready. You know, it's not the best, yeah. but you're paying five dollars for a that, pizza now. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's more of a the night of yeah. one for me. I don't typically order pizza day after, but I mean, if I wouldn't blame you for doing so. Yeah. Um. I had one honorable mention. Oh, uh, just liquid IV. That's kind of been big for me lately. Just mixing a little liquid IV in with my water, drinking that, and then wait until about three or four to maybe test out the the food um, situation, see if it's gonna settle. But uh, all right, any other ones, Stan? You got any? Trying to think of other foods that I get when I'm hungover. I don't. No, I think we pretty much hit them all. Like sometimes I'll stop at Come and Go because they have decent food. They have a breakfast burrito that hits. Yeah, and just take a walk through. Pringles, big Pringles guy, obviously the best chip. That's just wrong. You know, but really, now that we're thinking about it, I don't have like one go-to thing that I like do all the time or get all the time when I'm hungover. That's why we have a whole list of them. I know, but like some people have like I'm doing this, I'm getting this. Yeah. But maybe yeah, that's a sign that we should stop drinking as much as we do. <laughs> Fake news. Live we, while you're young. We, we're hung over so much we have to switch it up, otherwise we'll get sick of eating the same thing every week. <laughs> Football season's rough on the liver, okay? <laughs> so is summer. We were just talking about this. Yeah. And then the winter, like you don't have anything else to do but drink. <laughs> so spring is the non drinking season. Allegedly. Uh oh. I oh here. Uh Pro Football Focus College just put out the highest percentage chance to win the college football playoffs. Number one? Alabama. 37%. Number two? Probably Georgia. Georgia, 17%. Number three? Oklahoma? Yep, 13%. Number four? Oregon. Ohio State, 10%. Really? Their defenses looked like... Hot garbage. Number They're giving up like 500 yards a game right now. Number five. Oregon. Clemson. Like you up there. Clemson. Maybe it's we need to put our And then number six. <laughs> I'm guessing Iowa. by the way that you said it, it's got to be Iowa. Iowa, four percent. Woo! Whoa, that's, that's higher than you guys put. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Technically, that's... I wasn't firm on mine. I just said anything over 5% and you're a fool. <laughs> I do hate, I do hate this. I'm not a, I, like, I like the hype, but I also, who would I think that the hype, this this group feels like the type of group that's not going to be shit. They, they feel like the hype will just fuel them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like. They got a swagger. It's, it, it's real, too, though. Like, it's not like we had, we came in. It's not like we're coming off of a 2015 season where we performed so well and then we had a huge amount of hype going into the season. Like, we're coming off a year where everybody forgot about us because we lost our first two games that season into a year where both of our first two games are against top 20 opponents, one of them top 10 on the road, (coughs) and we beat both of them handily. Like, you should be able to, like love the hype that we're having because we've earned it to this point. I'm not saying that it's going to continue, but if you look back through our last eight games, we've won all eight of them, all against Power 5 opponents, seven against Big Ten schools, one against Iowa State, and we're winning by an average of like 22.5 points. That's the shit that Ohio State and Alabama do to other teams. Iowa's doing it, but people don't care that much because it's Iowa and we're not a sexy brand of college football. But what we're doing... Dating back to our winning streak, you know, last season should not be overlooked because we're winning in a more convincing matter manner against like bigger teams than we really ever have done. Okay, uh, one final note here I have that kind of happened recently. I don't know if you guys saw it. The USC fired their coach. Yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah. I did see that. So. I was still thinking about that ass kicking that we gave him in the Holiday Bowl. <laughs> Iowa State's gonna lose how many players? It's gonna be another rebuilding process. Just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. So what? 
What's that have to do with Iowa State? Uh, Campbell, man. When the premier's not going. He would fit in better in like uh, the NFL or an SEC program than in the West Coast. Just saying, that's a it's a big uh, brand at least. Oh, yeah. here, here, who's this guy? Let me see. Because it's he has a list of top candidates for USC. He has yeah, a but he's che- just going to choose it. He has a check mark. Hold on, national college football and basketball reporter for Yahoo. Early list for USC: James Franklin, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Luke Sounds. Fickle, PJ Fleck. PJ Fleck can get fucked so, too. He's just choosing like a bunch of real, like a bunch of yeah. good coaches. I mean, uh, that's, I think Luke Fickle is probably the most likely there. Uh, Greg Shiano was on this list as well too. The Shiano man. I don't, think any, I don't think anybody's paying the Shiano man more than Rutgers is willing to pay him. Well, he's Rutgers' knight in shining armor. Yeah. But, uh, all right, you guys got anything else you want to touch on? Otherwise, we'll wrap it up. Um, so I asked Space Cowboy if he had any thoughts. He was very brief uh, for this week. His thoughts from Space are, Iowa State can suck my ass right after I shit. That's Love it. it. <clears throat> Love oh, it. Yes. Uh, if you're listening to this, tweet at David Eichholt and tell him to follow me back. <laughs> <laughs> tell him this is his last warning, otherwise I'm unfollowing him. Woo. <laughs> All right. Gloves are off. Yeah. See, so follow Houston. Yeah. Mm, probably not. Actually, I don't really give a shit. He's too big for us. Us little guys. He follows me. Pity. Pity Whoop. follow. Whoop de doo, Basil. All right. Well, if we don't have anything else, thanks for listening to another episode of the Hawkeye Tailgate Report. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. The Twitter and Instagram is HTR underscore pod. Our Twitters are Myers underscore Luke, Joe Mama 2196 and Myers Austin. It's a Hawkeye State, everybody. Let's take care of Kent State this weekend and keep moving on. Go Hawks. And fuck Nebraska. <laughs>